Welcome to Checking In, a weekly podcast from Hotel Owner, the UK's trusted source of hotel industry news and analysis. Each week we meet a new guest and learn their story, all the highs and lows, triumphs and disasters they've faced and how they got through to the other side. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you listen to. To get more industry insight, head to hotelowner.co.uk and subscribe for unlimited access. If you're interested in sponsoring episodes of the podcast, drop us a line at podcast at hotelowner.co.uk. My name's Heather, host of Checking In, and this week we're talking to Alex Livesey, who's a managing director of Brammer in Bromley, as well as COO of co-working space Clockwise. Alex talks about the lessons learned throughout her 25 years in the industry, how co-working spaces can benefit from the hospitality touch, and the process of building a hotel brand from scratch. Welcome, Alex. Just to begin, you've had quite a storied career in hospitality. Uh, I know some of your first roles included duty manager at Ryan Hotels and operations manager at the Doyle Collection. Um, can you tell us a bit more about those early roles and what sort of lessons you, you gleaned from those that have helped you throughout your career? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm originally from, from Germany, from East Germany. Um, and I think I started off as a kitchen porter back in the days as wow. a teenager that decided Tomboy needs to go and have a proper job so she doesn't fall off the rails and comes up <laughs> with unsuitable ideas. Yeah. And um, by the time I finished my education, I just couldn't imagine doing anything else but hospitality. So I, um, in Germany, I have um, a really good um, apprenticeship program. So did that in Hamburg and for an Irish brand, Ryan Hotels, and I was asked to go over to Ireland for six months. Help out just over spring and summer, get us over the bump, and you can go back to Germany, you have other roles there, and so on. Ended up staying three and a half years. Oh, wow. <laughs> so the Irish are very welcoming, and sometimes you can hear it in my accent coming through. <laughs> um, probably more in sort of in the evening in the pub than normally <laughs> during work, but hey. Um, so in Ireland, I really learned a lot around management and uh, true, genuine hospitality. I learned a lot of technical skills and so on in Germany, but there was um, a trueness and an empathy a lot in in Ireland. And being there during the Celtic Tiger was a great time to be in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, "Fancy going over to England?" I said, "Yeah." Where would you go? As a young person, what do you say? Say, I want to go to London, big city, you know. And they said, okay, can you start in two weeks? And I think that's the genesis of what hospitality is about. You know, you want to travel, you want to experience, and you want to speak to people. So moved over then and to different roles as F&B manager. So I don't think there's a role in hotels that I've fulfilled. As I said, I've been kitchen porter. I've been in housekeeping. At some point, I was looking after the maintenance department as well, or revenue and sales. And um, worked for Whitbread as well as area manager looking after um, some of the sites in central London. And understanding what true volume means. Mm-hmm. If you have 18 hotels in central London, you're serving in the region of 10,000 breakfast on a Sunday morning across your teams mm-hmm. in three hours. So you know what volume is like. But if you work for 
a boutique brand like the Dollar Collection, you really know what it means to make that one customer really, really happy. So I love the diversity of our industry and having done all of these different roles. Mm. And then at some point, it led me to Native, where I was COO, um, and developing the apart hotel and as a brand and opening that up. Um, I found that really intriguing because it brought the sort of living sector closer to hospitality and it broadened what we understand as as hotels or hospitality. Mm. Um, yeah, and uh, COVID hit. Yeah. yeah. Um, gosh, COVID hit. Yes, a couple of weeks before COVID hit, um, I had decided to leave hotels, join private equity fund, and run a business called Clockwise, which is serviced offices, flex offices. Don't want to use the word we work, but if people don't use that sort of service, mm. that's probably the picture they best um, can associate with. Um, and whilst I was there, the funder said, we have this great project, Bromley Old Town Hall, and we're going to put clockwise in there. We're going to put about 700 workstations in there, but there's more space in the building. And we think we should put a hotel in there. Who should we put in there? So I came up with a couple of names, and they're like, it's all not quite right. Can't we do our own? I'm like, mm, sure we can. You've done this for 25 years. You know what's good. You know what's bad. Do you know what you would want to create? I said, there's not a hotelier in this world who wouldn't know exactly how they would create it. Um, I said, yes, of course. Right. We want to open in two years. So I guess you better put business plan together and come up, you know, what that looks like. Mm. So challenge accepted. Um not two years, but with COVID and other delays in the heritage building, it was three years later, Brahma opened its doors earlier this year. Yes, yes. Uh, so exciting. Um, and definitely want to hear more about the process of what mm. it was like sort of starting that up uh, almost from scratch, you know, this new brand. Um, but just to go back to some of your career history, um, did you have any apprehensions moving over to Ireland? Because... I'm imagining at the beginning of your career, you were quite young, and that's quite a big move to to change country. Were you sort of excited, um, or were there any any nerves about starting this career in a different country? Um, as I said, my dad called me a bit of a tomboy, so I was just like, nobody had gone, nobody had gone to Ireland from anyone I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point, I think nobody went there on holidays even at that point. Now it's one of the key holiday destinations in Europe. Um, family members were saying to me, oh my God, looked on the map, it's two hours mm-hmm. from Dublin where you want to go to Belfast, you're going to be bombed. So there were a lot of apprehension in the family. And I was like, just going to go for a couple of months. I'll trial it out. I'll mm. pack my bags, two suitcases, off I'll go and we'll see what happens. Um so I always liked adventure. I always liked to try new things. Um, I always, if anyone ever said, don't do it, or you better don't do it, or I dare you to do it, usually I would do it. Mm. So it's, 
you call me out on it, I will do it. So <laughs> yeah, rise to the challenge. Yeah. Um, and then you mentioned that you later held area manager roles, um, yeah. including with Whitbread. Can you tell us a little bit more about the uh, duties that come with that? And I'm imagining it gave you quite a good sort of oversight of of how these businesses are run, even though you've you know had experience through a whole breadth of the of the industry. But yeah, could you tell us a bit more about that role? Yeah, sure. I mean, when you come up through the ranks as an operator, the hardest step is to step away from actually fixing things yourself, doing things yourself, and just sorting whatever the problem is. Everyone in hospitality who loves being in the industry loves looking after people, but also loves solving problems. When you're moving up the ranks, the biggest challenge for yourself and your own growth will always be that you need to step back and just support and mentor others and just apply course corrections probably is the best way to describe it. Be there and give them the safety net, but allow them to make the mistakes and find their own ways. Um, So the role from running my own hotel um, to becoming an area manager was probably one of the biggest shifts because you don't control yourself anymore. If you have any illusions that as an area manager or um, as an MD that you're in full control, you you Mm. probably shouldn't be doing the job. But your role is you're a facilitator. You you are a mentor. You are somebody who guides. You're there to um, also, if something really goes wrong, you do step in. But -hmm. you don't really want to get to that point because you're talking real crisis mode. But most of the times, you're actually there in a supporting role. Um, leadership is all about support, and that area role is, is around very much those supports and creating processes that allow people to have a structure, a framework they can operate within. Mm. Um, and did you enjoy holding that sort of uh, position? Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Um, loved my time as a general manager, but um, once I'd understood what was needed from that role as an area manager, um, I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing that within the construct of a big environment like a Whitbread allowed me to um, have a peer group of other area managers that mm-hmm. were extremely supportive um, and you know, those relationships usually stand the test of time, Mm. you know, still in contact with um, the majority of them now. And we're still helping and supporting each other as we did then. So, yeah, as long as you have a support network yourself around you. Yeah, that that sounds like a a lovely network to have. Um, And were there any sort of standout lessons that you learned from the area manager role that... uh, you know, a valuable team now? Um, yeah, probably the biggest thing for me has always been if I'll walk past it, I endorse it. So um, I would always allow myself a couple more minutes when I would walk in any of our sites um, because, number one, um, whatever was on my, in my head, I had to switch off. Um, I had to take that off and say, okay, leave that on the front door. These guys haven't seen you in a couple of days or in in a larger patch, probably a couple of weeks. This is important to them. Um, 
And what I would do is go in with a really present mind. But the walking past is really important. If I'd walk past, rubbish on the floor. Mm. The team will think that that's okay. That moment, that act of either picking it up, rubbish up yourself, or actually addressing an issue, addressing that, I guess, what is waiting um, is key. Mm. Mm. Um, because it really builds a culture within your team. They understand what is needed. Because if you if if you can do it yourself as the area manager, they'll definitely feel they want to do it as well. So um, I've walked into buildings and they were really short-staffed um, in the restaurant, supposed to sit down with the general manager and do review meetings or audits. Um I'll put my laptop back down. I rolled the sleeves up and we just um, cleared the breakfast dishes together. I think some of the teams nearly had heart attacks because they, <laughs> <laughs> they were worried. Yeah. You know, you don't see your area manager very often um, mm. at your kitchen pass, you know, and cleaning dishes and pots. But yeah. it was half an hour. But the one thing I would say is um, that small act of seeing how much they were on the water and say no it's not okay that it's like this and it's mm. not their fault because people can get sick etc um and not feeling like you're standing above mm -hmm. or you're too good for for doing a job um really creates a culture that lives through for the next you know it lasts for months and years people will Sometimes they still talk about some of these anecdotes that I'll forget <laughs> to me years and years late and say, I remember when you came to our hotel and you did that and that. I'm yeah. Like, did I? <laughs> yeah, it sounds about right because I wouldn't walk past it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's always been the biggest lesson for me mm. I learned. And then following on from that, you mentioned you worked at Native, yeah. um, I believe the COO, uh, which is a, a collection of apart hotels, if that's it is, correct. Yeah. Was that your first venture into apart hotels? <laughs> it was, yes. How oh, was no, that? actually, it was my second. Oh, okay. My second. I was. <laughs> I had quite a couple of roles, you know, in over, what, 25 years. Um, we did, I did a role with Citadines and Ascot before, which I owned from Cap, by Capital Land, which was after um, the Jury's Inn's roles, um, my first small area manager well I had three buildings then and there were a collection of small uh, apart hotels within London um, and that was quite quite interesting and enlightening and understanding the differences but most importantly the amount of similarities between hotels and and these apart hotels mm -hmm. um, they're very much of the same family so okay what are some of those uh, similarities that that struck you? Well, revenue management is very much the same. Um, housekeeping is more complex. Mm -hmm. um, rooms are bigger. Usual average stay is longer. Um, your short stay are even more expensive because um, cleaning just these small kitchen units is probably equivalent to cleaning a whole bedroom, including bathroom, mm -hmm. in, in a normal hotel setting. So the longer stay is really important. Um, and the aspects of that um, and dealing with these longer stay requirements in the corporate travel they're really specific um, requirements especially from the sort of American or the Asian market when they're coming over 
mm-hmm. regards to uh, fit out and service that needs to be provided. Um, but yeah, similarities of reception services is extremely important. Um, they still want the same concierge service. They still would like to have um, their restaurant with their breakfast. They still like um, to have the finishing touches, the service and the cleaning as you have in a hotel room. Um, these days you book it through the same revenue channels. You'll book it on Expedia, Booking.com or any other OTA mm. uh, channels. Um, so it is as diverse uh, mm. from a channel management as, as a hotel is. So they're very much in the same group. Yeah, yeah. Um, did that, did going into apart hotels, did it, did you expect them to be so similar? Did that meet your expectations or were you surprised um, at those elements? Um, I was, I have to admit, I was um, quite surprised um, that a lot of, especially the leisure travel market and the weekend market was really equivalent to the hotel market um, that people would book in a part hotel for a night or two nights. And I do think that um, the Asian, the Australian market and in Europe probably most the French market really so understood the model um, and would book nothing else. They would say, okay, why would I need a, just a hotel room um, when I could have a small apartment where I can have my fridge and so on. They understood mm. um, convenience range that you can now get in supermarkets, etc. And the idea of um, having that when I'll do business travel now, if there's a good apart hotel, um, I definitely like staying there because you have more control around your own nutrition and what's, what's on offer. Mm. So I do think it's one of those markets that will grow exponentially still over the next 10, 15 years. Okay. Um, and then sort of coming into the present, uh, again, I know we briefly touched on it, but you're CEO of Clockwise. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about that and then how that fits into uh, Brahma and sort of how Brahma stemmed from, from Clockwise and yes. the journey there? Yes, um, I was approached about clockwise and going into this um, industry um, by a really good friend. She said, you should try this out. Um, I said, okay, I don't know anything about commercial real estate. I don't know how these guys do this. Um, I know hotels. Mm. And she's like, yeah, no, they want a hotelier. I said, they want a hotelier in commercial real estate. I very quickly learned um, that the future of the commercial real estate is hospitality. Mm. And I see more and more, and even within the business myself, probably half of our team comes from the hotel backgrounds and half comes from the commercial real estate background. So I'm really purposefully putting them together. Mm. Um, I think after a couple of months... I was trying to tell everyone, um, probably the best way to describe it is, I said, if you have a bar, one of your barmen comes from a commercial real estate background and one comes from a hotel or hospitality background, your service experience will be very different. From a hospitality background, they see your glass is half empty. They'll come over, they'll chat and they see whether you want another one. It's very proactive. Mm. 
if it's commercial real estate, um, the slogan that always was used to me was, you know, lease it for 10 years and forget it for the next nine. So there's a zero service aspect to it. You only deal with something if it's properly wrong. Um, So in the bar setting, it'll mean you're going to go over once your pint is empty. You're going to say, can I please have another pint? And they say, I'll make an appointment for you in 10 minutes time so we can have a chat about you wanting a pint. Mm. Um, So why don't you come back to the bar in 10 minutes? Um, And then he wants to negotiate with you around the price and whether you have to pay extra for the cleaning of the glass or whether they put it for the same price into the same glass. Mm. Um, I think as as a society, we want proactive service. Um, And in real estate, that's become really important. So I've tried to distill that into clockwise and creating a team around me that really understands that. Um, and we've created a product now that very much, for a lot of people, reminds them more of, of a hotel service or, or a good restaurant, just because they'll remember. I mean, I've walked into one of our buildings in Glasgow. We have over a 1,000 members there. Um, and the receptionist... Um, I was talking to her and one of the members walked in and she said, hi, Ian, how are you? How was your holiday? And she was like, she could tell me which company works, floor, which floor he's on and so on. Yeah. The next one, um, somebody came in with their dog, knew the dog's name, the dog knew her and knew that she had treats behind the reception <laughs> desk and so on. So um, they knew everyone. They knew what they might need. They could see if there were changes. They would know birthdays. They would celebrate. They really created a community and and a warmth of service that we know from good hospitality and try to really bring that into, into the clock, clockwise brand itself. Um, and now I can see that coming into more and more brands. You know, we're not alone in this. There mm. are a lot of gr- other great brands that are successful and they are successful in my eyes because that's what they provide and they have this emphasis on proactive service. So I think that's that's the key. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, it sounds like the perfect marriage of, uh, yeah, sort of bringing hospitality into that commercial space. Um, and then Brahma itself, but at what point uh, was it decided that you were going to start this hotel? Um under the same umbrella i think that was probably within the first six months you know it was oh, a bit of a yeah. yes yes it was a bit of a um we had a quite fast growth i mm. mean i took clockwise on when i had three sites we are now have 15 and a couple of more in the pipeline um you know opening 12 sites over covid and everything else um was quite interesting yeah um so we certainly kept busy during that time. Um, and very much in the beginning, then we said, okay, we'll do our own thing. Um, and what's important for us? Okay, I said, we're, it needs to be really design-led. It's got to be right. Um, it's got to have a focus on sustainability. Mm-hmm. I said, we got to get that right from... 
um, the first stroke on a paper when we start designing this and thinking about the concept of the hotel. Um, it's take the fuss and the frills out, but really add in what's true luxury. Or probably my definition is true luxury, um, is which is your choice and having it tailored around your own needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so we came up very quickly with the concept. It's a boutique hotel, 23 bedrooms, so very much on the smaller side. Mm-hmm. Um, within Bromley Old Town Hall, it really works with the rest of the the businesses within the environment. So you have Clockwise in there, which you can work from. You have the uh, Two Hands Club Lounge and Dorothy and Marshall, which is within our F&B platform, a restaurant that we have created. But all of these parts work together. Mm. Brands in their own mind, but it was important that they sit very comfortably next to each other and can support each other, that have similar clientele and demographics. Mm. Um, And did you sort of encounter any road bumps in the process of making sure that they worked well together or was it quite cohesive, would you say, sort of from the beginning? Um, We've started off with setting the purpose and the mission of the whole unit as Bromley Old Town Hall that sits as the sort of the umbrella piece. That's the entirety of the development. Mm. And by setting that first... Everything else fitted quite neatly underneath this umbrella. Mm-hmm. So when you start with your um, with a mission that's aligned by all sides, you know you can cre- uh, you can carve out your own creativity and your own story from that. Um, but if you start with individual stories and then try to make them uh, fit together you'll always encounter issues, you know, and end up with compromises that may or may not be comfortable. Um, but if you start with the with the premise of this is the building that we want to bring to life, this is what we want to create as a hub again within within a town, and we really want that to be again the sort of the magnet and the centre of, of this community. Mm. Um, in sort of building mm. that up, yeah, from the ground, so to speak. Uh, did that give you a certain sort of added flexibility in terms of sort of the vision that you had for it that that you think was actually helpful? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I was... I think the biggest blessing that I had was the founders of Casa Forge um, that owns Bromley Old Town Hall and obviously ultimately owns the platforms mm-hmm. that operate underneath it. Um, trusted my experience and my instincts and what I presented to them. So the reign that was given in creating this was um, probably something that not everyone has as a, you know as an advantage. And I know that has been a big advantage of mine and you know I'm really grateful been given that opportunity to do that because a lot of times we don't have that opportunity. These sort of things don't happen to everyone or all the time. You know, they're quite unique. Um, but we really wanted to take that and create therefore something really special. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it sounds very special. 
And would you be able to tell us just a little bit about the, the history of uh, the Bromley Old Town Hall? Because I think it's got quite a, quite a long and interesting history. Um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those buildings that was built sort of turn of the century. Um, one part was finished at about 1907 and then uh, two more subsequent parts in the next uh, 20 years. Um, it had Darwin as its neighbour while he wrote his famous books. Uh, Bovey got married there, so um, oh, wow. which is not a bad... Yeah, <laughs> it's very You cool. know, it's not a bad history to have either. But in the council had given it up um, and built a new um, office building that made sort of made more sense to the way they operated. So in 2009, it was put on the Heritage Risk Register. Mm-hmm. Um, and we then purchased it a couple of years later, I think 2018. Um, and then took a while to work out the plans and planning and so on. COVID, as I said, came into the way of it as well a bit. Mm. Um but we really try to retain the heritage and it creates a really interesting quirky building. Um, you now have the hotel, you have in the old uh, council chambers, you have the restaurant, you still have the wood panels, mm-hmm. uh, or you have still have retained a lot of the old um, doors and the turrets are flowing and so on. But we've also retained um, the cells in the basement which make amazing, uh, one of them is a podcast room, others are meeting and Zoom rooms, Mm. some are offices and the business have moved down there. They absolutely love the idea that they're sitting there and what used to be the cells. But then you have what used to be um, the the offices for the mayor, etc., and they have beautiful wood panels and old fireplaces and so on up on the first floor with view over Bromley. And those are offices as well. And it creates quite an eclectic mix Mm. of different um, environments. And you're bringing them together. And and a truly vibrant community comes together out of, you know, a group of people that come from different backgrounds, um, that have different needs, different interests, Mm. but have a commonality of, of a space. Um, on offer vision and bringing those together is quite quite interesting yeah yeah it sounds eclectic on a lot of <laughs> levels and um yeah it's lovely to hear that sort of life has been breathed again into you know such a beautiful building I think that's great um and it's first I believe boutique hotel to open in Bromley yes uh so what made you did anything draw you towards that location um, aside from the building itself um, and did you sort of have any initial concerns that there might not be as much as a market there for the boutique hotels uh, um yeah the discussion is it a boutique hotel or do you create a budget hotel mm-hmm. was was definitely there right at the beginning uh, we could have gone either way I think for me it was one of those where I checked out the retail market in Bromley and surrounding areas. I checked out what was the F&B market in those areas. I could see interesting restaurants uh, popping up. I could see really interesting retails uh, popping up. I still saw a shopping center that was probably 30% empty and had a lot of sort of... um, 
high street brands on there. But in between, I saw all of these new artisan places popping up. Um, mm. That gave me an indication that there was a need and desire for a better product, that there was um, a community around that wanted to create a place and a community, um, and that was willing to spend in those places um, and want to spend local. Um, so those things gave me the indication that the market would take a boutique hotel, mm. that they could really, that they were screaming out for it. I see. Um, and I guess on that note, how has business been since opening? Um, has it met your expectations? Is it what you expected? And yeah, how, how is it going? Because um, it opened in May, I believe. It, it right? opened in May. It opened in May. It's... Um, I was I was a bit blown away. I have to admit, um, the whole community, as well as the um, local businesses and so on, have really embraced our arrival. Um, we have um, reviews have been exceptional. Um, the team there, Alistair and his guys, have done an amazing job um, in regards to service and. It's really gone from strength to strength. Um, it's filled up fairly quickly over the weekends without, I have to admit, I've pl we've plowed a lot of our resources in just getting the product right. Mm -hmm. um, I probably haven't left it enough for the marketing, or at least my marketing manager will tell me mm -hmm. I haven't left enough money in the marketing pot. Um, so we haven't done any sort of big campaigns, but we connect with the local community Um and just try to convince by service mm -hmm. and the quality of the product. And that's been very successful. It sits from a price point. It's created a new price point in the market. So it sits a good 20 to 30% over the average rate within, within the comp set. So it's really defining now the rate within the market. Um, right. So it's, it's landed really well. But I think because we spent three years getting details right. And I mean, some of the teams, my project manager, she was losing her marbles over <laughs> it, honestly. She was saying, um, at one point, she had me trying, I think, about 12 different hair dryers. Oh, my goodness. Didn't like any of them. We ended up with one... Um, that I think number 25 or so. Um, we've worked through different linens. We've worked through a one. It has a beautiful stitching on it. Um, I took it home and I put it about six times through the wash to see mm. whether it was plating because they told me it doesn't plate. Mm. But it looks crisp in the beginning. I need it to look crisp in six or 12 months' time. Yeah. So I wanted to test that out. Um, the teams had to parade. The clockwise teams loved it because they've been helping us all along. I had the lads um, parading bathrobes through the <laughs> office to see, you know, whether the mm. bathrobes, the, the arms would be long enough for a guy that's six foot five and is more like a rugby player. So yeah. it would work for him as well as some of my um, more smaller <laughs> and more slimmer ladies mm. would also feel that they don't get totally swamped in them. 
that the towels were still nice after a while and so on. Um, we worked for ages through the lighting with different light settings um, and uh, light fittings and really getting those details right. Mm. Um, a guest won't tell you that you got it just right with the light. Mm-hmm. They'll only tell you that they had the best sleep or they really loved it and they want to come back. Um, the thing they will mention is when you check in, you can check in and just do it on your phone and you don't have to talk to anyone. And if, you ha- if you're on a business travel and you've done six, seven meetings a day, been talking all day, mm-hmm. the last thing you want to do is having to talk to somebody who feels they have to tell you when is breakfast and what you find in your room and so on. You want to, it's your choice. And that's for me luxury. The choice mm. of saying, I don't want to talk to someone. I just want to get into the room or I'd like to have a chat. And I like to experience the hospitality, having the opportunity to uh, say straight away, I don't like these weird UHT milk sachets. I place like my oat milk in the room or I like my skimp milk in the room or I'm really old school, I just like normal cold whole milk mm. in there for my cup of tea. Yeah. Or I want really good coffee, um, but I don't want these um, aloe capsules, you know, that you basically burn half a forest just to create one little capsule mm. to exaggerate it, but... Yeah. Um, so these details are really important, and that's for me luxury that you can define these, mm-hmm. and you can decide on your own terms how you want that experience to be, and what you want in it, and what you want to use, and what you don't want to use, and what you would find in your room, mm-hmm. and that's that's for me luxury. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great great definition of, of luxury. Um, and yeah, the devil's always in the details, isn't it? And it sounds like, yeah, all bases have been covered with Brahma. Um, and I guess just to finish off, mm. what are the future plans for Brahma? Would you ever sort of plan an expansion or for now, is it just about concentrating on Bromley and the product? Um, I think we've created something really unique in Bromley. And um, we'd agreed... We'll do it as a project. We see what we can create as a mixed-use building. It has been really successful to date. Um, I'd like to really get probably a year or two under the belt and prove properly that this is a consistently well-performing model. And this is a concept the market not only likes now, whilst it's new, but stands the test of time. All the indicators are there, mm. but call it the overcautious German <laughs> in me that says, I'd like to really prove it first before I spend somebody else's money, you know, and build more. I'd love to see it grow. Yeah. Um, I think it is really um, a good proposition. I think it really hits um, the current need and our wants. Um in society, I think that's really important. I think it really sets a mark when it comes to sustainability. Um, and I think 
that it has the potential to really become something exceptional, not only in Bromley, but in other locations as well. But the building has to be right for it. Mm -hmm. The location has to be right. Um, and yeah, I'd like to see Bromley yeah. get a year or more under its belt. Um, but no, it'll be very exciting to see where it goes in the future. Um, and so just to finish off, we'd like to just ask a few questions to get to know the person behind the business. Um, so just to start us off, could you tell us your favorite book? Harry Potter. Uh, Harry taught me English. It's the first book mm. I read. Um, I think when I moved to Ireland, I spoke probably about, uh, I don't know, about 10 to 15 words wow. in English. So um, Harry Potter. Harry was with me all the way from the first to the last book. Um, and I'm really happy there wasn't too much swearing in there because <laughs> God knows what what my vocabulary would be like <laughs> now if you know it would have been some of the other choices that I would have had. But yeah, um, yeah. oh, brilliant, still with me. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah real nostalgia. I think so many of us get from those books. Um, what's your favorite film? Um, gotta be in Bruges. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, I love the location. Um, I've been there, um, so the, there's a familiarity. But Colin Farrell and then Brandon Gleeson together, it's something that I can watch many times mm. over. And it's it's so cleverly written as well, yeah. the way all the pieces come together. It's, yeah, brilliant. And there's so many one-liners in there that you just want to mm. use over and over. <laughs> it's, oh, yeah, great, great <laughs> film. Um, do you have a pet hate? Um, I think lack of manners and lack of compassion mm. is probably one of my pet hates. Um, I think sometimes we're too focused on ourselves and we totally blank out everything around us. And when I see people being too absorbed in themselves and not losing manners and not actually having compassion for each other anymore as my biggest pet hates because I think it's our biggest problem. Mm. Um, and I think quite a few of our guests who work in hospitality, you find that a lot of the time manners are very important to them, so, which makes sense because, yeah. you know, the industry itself is about how you sort of treat others and interact yeah. with people. Um, what's your favourite holiday destination? Lanzarote. Um, my husband and I have... Um, Gosh, we must have been there over 10 times. We love the island. We love how different it is to anywhere else where you go. It's like you're going onto a different planet. Mm. Um, but we love the architecture. We love Manrique and um, how um, a community has taken what is a volcanic island um, that shouldn't be able to sustain itself and has created such a paradise. It's, yeah. Oh, lovely. Go back anytime. Yeah. Um, who's someone that inspired you growing up? Um, probably, I actually have to say quite easily, it's my grandmother. Um, in my family, I'm, I'm quite tall, but I'm one of the shorties in the family. Um, the boys are all six, three and above, um, and she's below five foot. Um... And she wouldn't scream. She doesn't use a bad word. She always speaks kindly. Mm. 
but she has everything under control and everyone <laughs> wrapped around their f- finger. So um, her her strength and being able to do everything through through kindness, nurturing and empathy and what she's delivered in life. She had a full-time job, six kids, did the accounts for my granddad in the evening, but still always had time for all of us and usually will bake a cake whilst having a chat with you, sort of knocked one up on the side whilst <laughs> doing everything else. Um, she made everything look effortless and she taught mm. me to um, be able to achieve what you want to achieve without having to be nasty, mm. without um, losing your 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 morals, your moral compass. So um, for me, that was always somebody. And she came in a very small package. So, you know, <laughs> she was usually underestimated by a lot of people. Oh, she still is. Um, so, yeah. Mm. It was definitely one. Yeah, she sounds like a character. Um, where do you see yourself in five years' time? Um, I mean, we're in October, hopefully on a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like to go after the summer season. Um, where do I see myself? I think we have now with both Clockwise and Brahma created some really interesting, great brands. And for me, both of them... Um, are very close to my heart and I'd like to see both of them just keep on growing and, and really becoming something that gets known and gets appreciated for what we're trying to create as a um, as a world that you can work in and a world that you can stay or live in. Mm. Mm. Um, and just finally, what's the best piece of, prefi- of advice that you've ever received? Um He'll smirk at that. It's actually coming from my husband. He said, you're only ever as good as your uh, last mistake. So basically, (laughs) keep your feet on the ground. Mm. It's great when things are great. Um, But measure yourself by your mistakes. Measure yourself by um, where you have missed something or you have done something wrong. Learn from it and grow from it. So yeah, he keeps on saying, you're only ever as good as your last mistake. Mm. Um, Thank you so much for joining us, Alex. It's been lovely to have you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Checking In, a weekly podcast from Hotel Owner, the UK's trusted source of hotel industry news and analysis. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you listen to. To get more industry insight, head to hotelowner.co.uk and subscribe for unlimited access. If you're interested in sponsoring episodes of the podcast, drop us a line at podcast at hotelowner.co.uk.